0: Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Welcome to Capital, the regular Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard, and I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Joe Barr, the Director of Content. There's a title I always wanted to have. Director of Content at Capital Public Radio. Uh, a station I listen to all the time especially for the classical music don't tell your news staff that but the classical music I really love and I listen to (laughs) it in the mornings and in the afternoons and all through the weekends and uh, I really like it Joe thank you very much for coming welcome
2: I'm happy to be here thanks for having me
1: so my first question I guess the obvious one is how's Capital Public Radio doing with the pandemic in terms of news coverage and getting staff together and doing the things you guys always do How's it working out?
2: You know, it's it's been a really extraordinary time. Obviously, it's been difficult for everybody for all the obvious reasons. Uh, but we, um, when the pandemic hit, um, we made a very quick, and I'm, I'm still kind of awestruck by how quickly it happened, a, a quick transition to people working remotely, um, most of our work is uh, is now remote. We have a few people who are here at the station. In fact, I'm here. Um, but the reporters, editors, digital folks, everybody who, uh, the continuity folks, those are the people who record the breaks that you hear throughout the day. Um, the majority of them are at home. And this transition happened relatively quickly using technology that we had or that was in development and it was put into place really quickly. All the communication pipelines, the meetings, everything that we would normally do in person, um, it's, it's migrated to Zoom and Slack. That's uh, Those are probably our two biggest platforms right now. Um, And it's actually going really well in that sense. I I think we all do, we definitely miss the in-person component that we had. And that's probably not coming back anytime soon. But um, the functionality, our ability to respond to the news, to uh, connect with each other and to get things on the air and on our website has not been compromised. In fact, I'd say there are a lot of efficiencies that we've learned from this situation that we're going to take into the post-pandemic world.
0: Is
1: there some advantage of uh, of using Zoom over Slack? I'm not familiar with Slack. I'm starting to get familiar with Zoom. But why one or the other?
2: Well, they they work well together. So Zoom is the video conferencing platform. Um, and that's, uh, that's actually a platform that we use for meetings. And it's really efficient because you can get people together very easily. Everybody is set up for it with cameras on there computers and laptops or their iPhones. Uh, So you can immediately get people together easy to, in fact, sometimes it's easier to get a meeting together now than it was before the pandemic because everybody has their device with them and you can just loop them into a big meeting in a way that, you know, where before you'd have to corral people to get them into the conference room. Um, Slack, Slack is really where people coordinate and plan in, and it has channels, and I won't go into all the details of how it works, but it has channels for different projects. And so people who are working on projects can communicate with each other, message each other, drop in, uh, um, you know, audio or, or video or digital assets into these files to go where they need to go.
1: Well, you know, um, I, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but a few years ago, we did a story when I was, uh, I was at Capital Weekly then at the, on the, when we had a print edition. And we did a story on the decline of the press corps, and it was really grim. But it was basically the print media press corps. And I remember at the time talking with you, you said, you know, you really need to cover public radio, because public radio was really swimming upstream. We're really sort of contrary to what the Mercury News and the Chronicle and the Bee and the Times, what they were reporting in terms of staff cutbacks and stuff. And that's still true now. This is many years later. You guys seem to be thriving like a little weed. So... <laughs> What's the secret you have, and can you share it with Capital Weekly, which is uh, a very (laughs) little?
2: We're we're all in the nonprofit space together, um, and which I think is actually the best place for journalism now is nonprofit. Uh, I think the the for profit model is um, is has run its course. That's my opinion. i I think the the secret for us and and I don't take any of our success for granted, so I just want to make that clear because we know in in our current world that things can shift on a dime but um audio number one has had traction uh in terms of audiences um that's our forte and so we've we've transitioned really well from Doing the basic radio um, audio uh, to podcasting, which is um, a huge audience growth area for us, and you're obviously aware of that too. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Um, it's true. So, and, and many thanks to Tim for that because he's really been been really
1: interested in this and uh, promoting it, and extolling it. And he's right. I mean, we get lots of traffic that we didn't have before through podcasts, and we actually get to cover issues that you can't cover through a conventional news story for example. I think this is a good example of that.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: It's uh, it's like having our own radio show. So
2: it 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 is. Uh and no no constraints though. You can swear all you want. <laughs> no FCC to come down on you. Not that I'll be doing that, but uh it's... Are you fucking kidding me? When I can say anything I want? <laughs> no, the cats out of the bag go, Thanks. <laughs> I've unleashed something here. Uh, sorry, Tim. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, so audio has really translated well to new audiences. Um, Podcasts attract a younger, more diverse audience, which allows us to then, we we talk about creating a media ecosystem where people come in to one um, platform that we have. Maybe they're going to listen to radio, but we're going to drive them to our website, to things like PolitiFact, or they come in for a podcast, and we're going to drive them to our radio um, shows and other programming um, we just want to keep them uh, in our ecosystem. And so that audio is still core to what we do. And so that's been a big part of our success. And And being clear about that, I, I think one of the big takeaways that I had from the Great Recession, uh, as I watched other media outlets at that time, um, my goal then, and it's even more so now, is that we stay the course in who and what we are. We don't give up the core of what public radio is and, and the kind of journalism we do, we stick to our guns. And what I saw in a lot of other media outlets, um, print and broadcast, uh, was they would give up in, in the name of cost cutting and expediency, they would give up the, the core things that made them unique, their differentiators, the things that audiences wanted, and, and then they lost their audience and they lost their their leverage to bring people in and so our big thing even now is that we're sticking to our guns in fact we're going to double down on the things that make us uh that the appeal that we have to our audience and then um trying to to um leverage that into new audiences and public radio has a uh, uh, tends to skew older, our audience, and whiter, and uh, we want to make it younger and less white, and we're making headway um, in that respect. So that's you know, it's well, you know,
1: as a as a follower of a, as a follower of, cl- of your classical music programs on uh, Capital Public Radio, I listen to. Speaking them, of older like, and whiter, maybe not religiously. <laughs> I know to, older and whiter kind of made me think of this, so <laughs> I listen to them all the time. And um, I remember we talked about this once before that. Uh, I, I told you how much I liked him, and you mentioned at the uh, at that time that the age it was definitely older and wider, and I think the average the average age, and I think was sixty eight. Yeah. And at the time you told me that, guess what I was?
2: <laughs> <I> was sixty eight, <laughs> and I thought
1: I fit right in the demographic. And that and, was uh, about fifteen I, years ago.
2: That, so you're around eighty now, right? Is uh, that was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. I'm eighty one <laughs> right now. So you know. Um, But I I really did like it. And there was a time there where I was going to complain bitterly. If I heard one more um, Sir Neville Mariner and St. Martin Academy of the Fields, I was going to go crazy. You know, it's like Niagara Falls. I was going to go crazy and storm up to the station. But you changed the programming and made it a lot more diversified. I mean, I think. And there are things like movie scores in there. The last week, I think it was, you had um, Leonard Bernstein's score from On the Waterfront. Which was just spectacular, I thought. Anyway, and I know this isn't the news programming, which takes a larger share of what you. Well, I, do, I, I oversee. Great, I oversee
2: you know. the music programming too, and I appreciate hearing that because we changed our strategy with it, and to and everything you mentioned is part of the strategy of growing the audience. It's not just about playing dead dead white guys. There are a lot of modern classical musicians, people of color, who are producing great classical music. People yes, who uh, younger people who listen to classical music they just don't know that's what it is when they listen to movie scores or video game scores that's that's classical music. Um, yes, this
1: morning. Yeah, this morning had Nintendo. Yes, a score from You have to be kidding me! I didn't even mean, you know they had a musical score from Nintendo. I thought that was great. So our and I don't even like Nintendo. That's but our music.
2: Was that's good. our strategy <laughs> is to really grow it in that way. Uh, there is that's been one of the most exciting things for me. I love the news programming, because uh, that's my initial background, but um, I also have a musical background and to to be able to grow the audience for classical music and for jazz and to actually harness the news audience to do that has been one of the really fun things. So we're doing a lot of promotion of our classical music on the news station and that's, we've seen growth as a result of that because we can talk about music as a respite from everything that's happening. And as long as they're staying with Cap Radio, they may go over to our music side. That's great. They're staying in the family. Leave the news side. We, we even say in some of our promos, maybe you need a break. That's fine. Go check out our classical music and relax, and the news will be there when you come back. And we've seen a lot of success with that cross-promotion.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Tim, did you have something? Did I cut you off earlier? Yeah, or? I'm, I'm just curious. Can you, Joe, can you talk about the way that those two stations, because they're separate stations with separate... Uh, call numbers or call letters, the whole deal. How do those interact? I mean, and how did that all come to be?
2: Well, we made a, when my position was created about, this was like six years ago, I think, which is chief content officer is my title. And it was uh, out of the desire to unify our programming because we had the news and music formats, but they were totally separate. Um, the two didn't talk. There wasn't any kind of unified strategy or anything that kind of harnessed a, a larger mission. Um, and uh, But we realized that for both of them, they needed to connect with each other for audience service, but also efficiencies um, in using our resources better. So we made some big changes, brought the two under one department, the content department, which I oversee. And the, the goal really was to see how much we could uh, keep the formats um, enhance their own unique uh, goals um, and yet where are the areas where there's crossover and so one of the big things that we did out of the gate was to just connect the two staffs have them work together so we've even we paired up our morning edition anchor steve milney with our uh, morning classical host kevin doherty and they produced a story together. on a local classical music group uh, and it ran on the news station and it ran on the music station. And so that's one example, there's a lot more of them, of areas where we found common programming that could benefit news and music. And, it's, and then when, when we have that kind of uh, content on the news side, that's the much bigger audience but it lets people know we have a music station and we've been able to grow the music audience by highlighting it on the music station.
0: So you produce your own content. You you know, you play the music, you have your shows like inside and other things. But then you also have content that is coming from either from NPR directly or from other NPR affiliates. Yeah. And it that was something when I was younger and I first started listening to you know public radio. I did not realize that a lot of these shows that I was listening to were actually coming from, say, Philadelphia or, uh, you know, the Bay Area or something like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? About how you how you decide what you're going to run, and maybe are there examples of something where you you tried something that didn't work, or you tried something that you were were wondering if it worked and really did? That whole thing is fascinating to me. This sort of the syndication of public radio is really interesting.
2: Yeah, well, so it's a it's a patchwork of shows that come from different sources. NPR is one of the big ones, and that's Morning Edition and All Things Considered, Fresh Air, that's also NPR, um, and, and a number of other shows. And then there, there are other production houses where where we get um, our programming. I think um, in terms of how we think of it, we actually went through a, a schedule change on our news station uh, over the last four months, we made some significant changes on the weekends, and part of how we think about it is what does the audience need in certain moments? And one of the shifts that we started to see on weekends where we had a mixture of news and music programming uh, and and some other kinds of storytelling shows was that people actually want to get away from the news on the weekend, but they want to feel like they're in touch. And so we did a whole shift with our weekend programming to go to storytelling shows or you know shows like um this American life we've got a new one called uh, uh with Sam Sanders called it's been a minute uh we added—I'd um, have to go to our schedule, actually. We added a whole bunch of new shows. Uh, the Moth,
0: oh, which is yeah, a storytelling show.
2: Um, Snap Judgment. Yep. Um, so we added all these shows that are about storytelling that also get to younger audiences um, who are more likely to listen to those shows. So we, we really think about what does the audience need and then what audience do we want to attract, and we make decisions based on that in part. And then there's just the basic news function of what we do. And, and that's where Morning Edition and All Things Considered are kind of the linchpins. But there's actually a really interesting development during the pandemic with, with those shows. Um, and, and so then we think about on the news uh, for the, the weekday news content, you know, what do people need to hear in the moment? So uh, as an example, Here and Now, which runs from 10 a.m. to noon, on our news station is really responsive to breaking news. If there's some big story uh, presidential press conference or uh, coronavirus task force or whatever, there, NPR is on it through those shows. And, it, and so we're more responsive as well um, just through them.
1: For, for your own news gathering, uh, do you have to – I'm just thinking now. People are working out of their homes, uh, reporters and the editors – Do you have to set up special equipment in their homes? I'm envisioning, you know, broadcast booths and special microphones and baffling uh, material to deaden sound and all that stuff.
2: It it doesn't take as much as you think. Uh, It's a good microphone, a good recorder, and a a room that's um, relatively soundproof. Some reporters will go into a closet. Others, you know, put a coat over them. Um, One of, you know, I mentioned Zoom earlier, Zoom is now kind of a backbone platform for us, so if you listen to Insight, for example, all the guests are now on Zoom, and so it's essentially a video conference call, the sound quality is um, studio quality with Zoom, So you can hear that they don't sound like they're the guests don't sound like they're on the phone and zoom also presents some multimedia opportunities that we're exploring because when you have your guests on zoom the visuals can be translated to digital so we're we're looking at ways that we can have insight on digital platforms where you're actually going to see the host and all the guests all at the same time.
1: As far as your headquarters goes, are are you guys... Um, I, I know for a while there you're thinking of, of moving or relocating. You, you were at Sac State or may still be. I haven't talked to you in so long. But what's the situation now with... Uh, your moving plans, if any, for Capital Public Radio.
2: Yeah, we're we're still moving ahead. Um, the pandemic has slowed things down, but we're we're still actually looking at two facilities in downtown Sacramento. One is going to be a, a really large uh, engagement center um, that is we're uh, going to start construction probably in the next few weeks, actually. Um, that'll be on Eighth and J. Uh, and that's going to be a convening center because um, our assumption is by the time it's done in about a year, year and a half, that people will be able to start coming back together. But it's also going to be completely multimedia. So the any event we have there can also be a virtual event. Um, and then we'll have our main – you d- sure you don't want to move in with Capital Weekly? <laughs> I mean, we, we have a little bit
1: of space. If but, you've uh, got uh, a closet no. for Nobody us, perhaps. Nobody ever takes me
2: up on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So that, that's coming along. It's going to be a really significant location for just being that kind of nexus in the community, not only for news but for music and the arts and bringing makers together and, uh, and artists and having important conversations. We really want that to be what happens in, in the facility. Uh, so to clarify, and then would that a, be uh, yeah.
0: would your Sac State facility still exist or would you be leaving that facility to come down to the J Street one?
2: We will be leaving it. And oh, then okay. Sac State um, actually needs the space, so they're happy to take it over from us. Um, so it's working out for everybody. Uh, and then our, our main, the, the main facility is going to be at another location that um, is a little bit more behind in terms of the process, but it's within a block of the um eighth and j location i i don't think i can say exactly where it is yet since there are some things that aren't finalized but it'll be very nearby and that's that's where that'd
1: be for the newsroom that'd be for that'd other... be for
2: everybody that's uh news music oh, um okay. administrative would all be in this other building our studios we're looking at some collaborative uh efforts to bring others into that space with us um for some larger projects um and so that'll be a significant location just in terms of being a media center. It'll be fully connected to the convening space, which will also be a big studio, essentially. So we'll be able to do full productions and broadcast from both facilities. So it's really – we'll have a and big you're presence. And are about two or
1: three – it's close to the Capitol, too. It's yes. Two or three blocks from the Capitol. Exactly. The general area. So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, does it matter uh, – proximity to the Capitol used to matter a lot, at least to me – uh, I was at Associated Press, as you know, for many years, and being a one block away from the capital was kind of a big deal during the digital age, especially during the pandemic era. Being that close to the capital isn't that big a deal, and a lot happens in state government that has no connection—let I mean, no physical connection—to the capital. Happens all over the place. Do, does being near the capital is that a big advantage for you? Do you think?
2: I think it's an advantage, and I and that was that's always been on our mind in terms of. Uh, you know, one of our essential beats is covering the Capitol, and we never wanted to get too far away from it. I mean, that wasn't the only reason why we located where we did. We just think having a presence in that place in a significant location in downtown Sacramento, the visibility, the ease of access, everything that comes along with that was worth it. But uh, it's near; the, it's relatively near the Capitol, and we think we that's where we should be.
1: So looking ahead um, to the end of the year, what are the big stories you think you guys are going to be on as we go to, what are we, September now? October, November, December, obviously the elections are coming up. Um, you see a lot going on right now for, for Capital Radio, news-wise?
2: Oh, yeah. It, this is just, I mean, the amount of things that our team is working on. Uh, I mean, we've got, in our newsroom now, I think we're up to about 35 people our whole content department, because the music team wow. feeds the news department. They do stories for the newsroom, but so we're at about forty-five people in our content Whoa. department. Now, you know, the so. B
1: said just the other day, talking about them moving from Twenty-First and Q, that they had fifty journalists. Yeah, and if you've got forty-five, you're almost as big as the B. Did you ever think that day would come?
2: No, I, I'm still stunned by that, <laughs> uh, and. Um, it, it is pretty amazing I mean and we don't ever we don't have designs to become as big as the bee was in its heyday we think that we're gonna sure we're gonna do our work that will hopefully complement what they do uh, maybe in, even fill some of the gaps that as the bee you know contracts which hopefully they're not going to continue to do that but it's a tough road ahead but you know we're we're kind of watching that environment and just seeing what we can do to serve the community so um, And part of that is just kind of getting back to what are we doing up to the end of the year. I mean, this is one of the most extraordinary times, probably the biggest news cycles in our lifetimes for all of us. Um, So there's obviously the pandemic has been a big part of what we've been doing all along. Uh, And then the the post-George Floyd, um, you know, the civil unrest, and and all those conversations that are happening, that's still part and parcel of what we're doing. and then the election, of course. So we just think our one of our core functions is providing people with essential information about the election, and then looking at this election not just as an election day or election night, but election week and beyond, and what do we need to be doing when this may be a really significant time of uncertainty for people, and how can we be responsive to them on the radio and on social media, our digital platforms, to really be connected to them, to be answering questions, to be providing facts. Um, our PolitiFact unit is we've actually partnered with Facebook, so we're one of the third-party fact-checkers for Facebook, and so we're, we're fact-checking. You have your work cut out for election. You. Uh, Say that again? So you have your work cut out for you. We do, uh, It's it, but it's really been... Uh, a gratifying job to just to be able to nail, knock down some of this stuff um, and to play a role. It's like a fire hose of misinformation. Oh. And,
0: Unbelievable. you know, we
2: have no, no, uh, you know, compunction about the idea that we're not knocking it all down. There's just so much of it, but we're doing our part. And so we think that's an important role for us is to, to combat misinformation on Facebook and Instagram and and so we're partnered with them, but it really just means we' we fact check and and they remove the items or flag the items and they have no editorial control over what we do. so it's worked out pretty well. Um, and then you know the last thing is the wildfires. Uh, I think some of the biggest oh, yeah. the biggest digital growth that we've seen uh, is with the wildfire coverage and it's across rural California. Um, people are, have, have been coming to our website in record numbers to get that information. Um, so we've really beefed up our, uh, our digital wildfire coverage and added resources there. And that's been quite successful. So there's no shortage of things. Are they
1: coming to look at news updates or are they coming to other programming? Uh,
2: it, the, the primary draw is we developed a, a wildfire map and blog that gives people immediate resources on, you know, where are the fires, what are the boundaries, Where are the evacuations, where are the evacuation centers. So it's all it's like one stop shop information for somebody who needs to get it right then and there. And then and then there are the stories and there's everything else that goes along with it that they will stick around for. So we we see them migrating to the other content, but they're coming for just the down low on what the heck is happening right now.
0: You know, can you actually talk about your Your coverage area. I know you have partnerships with other stations in other parts of the state that that broadcast your programming. How how many people listen to Capital Public Radio? Uh, You know, I would say the news, your news uh, side. How many people are listening to that on a regular basis?
2: Well, if you look at on a weekly basis for Cap Radio News in our in the Cap Radio listening area, which is our um, four news stations. Uh, in Northern California and Western Nevada, that's about, we have about a quarter million listeners a week. Um, Beyond that, we distribute uh, content to almost every, actually pretty much every public radio station in California, um, from KQED to KPBS in San Diego, and two stations in Los Angeles, and a lot of smaller ones in between. And that's about, uh the totality if you total up the audience for all of those stations it's about three million a week
0: Hmm. um for our other
2: content um so it's yeah we're 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 a statewide organization in a lot of ways and then we have lots of partnerships that um we have a partnership uh it's actually called the california newsroom and that's with kqed kpcc Uh, in Los Angeles, KCRW in Los Angeles um, and KPBS in San Diego and we have a statewide news editor um, and we coordinate our coverage together across the state, distributing it back out to our stations Uh, we're just hiring another statewide editor and a digital reporter who's going to be doing data reporting um, and so that's going to be an expansion that'll happen pretty soon. And, and all of that will be available to all the stations who are in this hub that I mentioned. So we're doing a, a really big level of coordination that we haven't in the past in public radio, just working together to do bigger projects and and use our resources more effectively.
1: Great. Well, on that happy note, Joe, thank you very much for talking with us today. Uh, Tim Foster, thank you very hey, much. Thanks, Uh, Joe Barr, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And this is John Howard at Capital Weekly, and we will see you next time around.
0: The Capital Weekly podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Thank you very much.